Callum Barnes is with me today, making his debut on the podcast. How are you doing today, Callum? I'm doing very well, Steve. Thanks for inviting me. I am, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about Mid-South. Exactly. What, what more could you want to do on a Tuesday than talk about Mid-South Wrestling? <laughs> I've got a new screen in front of me, so I, I, I'm kind of getting, getting used to like, where do I put the Zoom? Where do I put my notes? So yeah. I'm going to go there. It looks all like, it's like I'm looking like beyond you when I'm looking up there. But yeah, that's, uh, I am trying to, trying to concentrate. I got, bought myself, you know, t- sometimes you've got to treat yourself, haven't you? So I bought myself a new work yes. screen for home. So there we go. I'm um, also rocking a three screen setup right here. Oh, but you very on the nice. iPad, the computer has got it on in the background and got the notes on the laptop. So we're very sophisticated here. Sophisticated, sophisticated. here on Mid-South Moments, absolutely. So before <laughs> we get on to the review, as is customary with new hosts, I want to hear about when you became a wrestling fan. So tell me yeah. some of your earliest memories and who were some of your first favourites. Yeah, here we go. I mean, um, any kid of the 90s, I think you're pretty certain you're going to get Stone Cold or The Rock as your entry. And um, we've chatted about this many times before, but... I was just slightly, my fandom or my realization of what wrestling was slightly was just after that. So uh, I did have a Steve Austin. so old. <laughs> <laughs> I know, only quite though. So I had a Steve Austin lunchbox, which I absolutely loved in school. That was like my pride and joy. And, um, and you were always, you were either a rock or a stone cold fan. But then what, when it really started kicking into the, the zeitgeist of, of my generation in the school playground or my generation of friends. It was Y2J and Triple H. That was pretty much okay. it. So what, 2001, 2002, that type yeah, of time? Yeah, they made a bit of WrestleMania in 2002. So I guess probably around there that sort of time. And Rock and Steve yeah. Austin were certainly on the way down then because Austin was away yeah. for ages, wasn't he? So. Yeah, and they did do the sporadic appearances, but... I mean, I didn't know any. I didn't know that. You know, I didn't know that Rock had gone off to Hollywood and, and yeah. Stone Cold was, you know, having injuries and all that stuff. They were still presented on the screen, so they were always big. Um, <clears throat> and I think then, so it would didn't Channel Four do like an hourly highlight show on a Sunday or something? Yeah, like that? They I did. don't know. Sunday night. Yeah. Heat. So I, oh, I want to ask you. So, yeah, to what, yeah, yeah. To what year? What year were you born? We won't. We won't give you your full. Ninety one. So you're exactly, oh yeah, push, exactly 10 years younger than me. So, yeah. um, crikey, so 2001, you'd have been 10, wouldn't you? Yeah, so I'm the tail yeah. end. So, so I was, I was, um, I went to primary, no, got secondary school in 2002. So it was like 2001, 2002, that time where kids were really talking about it. Like it, it, you sort of understood not quite what, you know, let's get ready to talk. Like, you didn't know any of that, <laughs> but you you were kind of understanding it. Um, yeah. That's interesting because by the time you went to secondary school, I'd already been to two WrestleManias, which makes you feel absolutely horrendous. <laughs> that makes so, me jealous. Makes you horrendous. Oh, know, makes I me know, jealous. The thing that's funny about that is that like, <laughs> I kind of wish that um, some of the rest, I, I don't regret any of the trips that I did, but I did, yeah. I did kind of, I do look back and think, well, imagine if I'd got into this a tiny bit earlier and you could have yeah. done like yeah. Brett and uh, Austin at WrestleMania 13. Or I was old, I was a little bit, I, mean, I wouldn't want to be five years older, but if I was five years older, I probably, <laughs> you probably dragged all that forward. So yeah. yeah. Um, do, what was your- Yeah, so that was, and, and that was it. So it was Sunday nights were the only way I could get access to it because did Sky have the rights at that time? I can't remember whoever yeah. had the rights, but you basically had to pay for it. And my father said, like, he wasn't going to give any money to Rupert Murdoch. So that basically ruled out 
Premiership football and wrestling for me. <laughs> that is, that's hard. That's hard. That's yeah, hard. really. Is so it, it yeah. was. So all I had was my lunchbox and the video games to go on, yes. and that like took me through to the fandom <clears throat> until I got to university. Weirdly enough, and uh, there was a couple of housemates in in my first year house um, that loved it, um, and that's where I got back into it. Was just being around people again who. Uh, we're talking about it, we're watching it, buying the mm. pay-per-views. And that was the time. So Cena like? was... 2008, I guess that would have been? No, no, no. 2009. So 2009, 2009 to 2012. Okay. And so Cena was all over the place, yes. everywhere. Yeah. Um, he, who else was it? So my first ever... I always remember this, my first ever like proper WrestleMania being back or being a um, being a fan again was WrestleMania 26. And wasn't that Batista Cena? Something yeah, like that? I think so. And it was the one where it was Michael's Taker 2, wasn't it? I believe. That was it. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. it. So, yeah. so uh, my mate, um, who I will give a shout out to because he was one of the influencers, um, Abs, I hope you're listening, buddy. Um, he was a massive Shawn Michaels fan. Okay, and yeah. And so he was like, bro, you got, you know, I'd do a terrible impression of him, but he'll laugh. He's like, bro, you got to do this. It's so much fun. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll watch it with you. And, um, and I just got hooked. And I think that was like the DX days when they returned. Yeah, yeah. They, they're basically a merchandising gimmick at that stage, but, you know, it was fun. And um, I just got straight back into it, which had then, of course, led to the summer of punk. Now, I don't know if anyone who has ever been a wrestling fan at one point just got sucked back into that 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 program and was so just hooked Jeff again. Hardy was it? I, I presume we're, t- we're talking about no Summer of Punks. This would have been the end of 2012, right? Uh, yeah. So what are we talking about? 20... You know, he drops he dropped the pipe bomb. His pipe ah, bomb bomb. sorry, 2011, 2011. Yeah, 2011, 2011, 2011. 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He dropped his pipe bomb. Po- um, pipe bomb promo say that five times fast and <laughs> that was just i was so glued at that stage mm. um yeah and that was then it kind of took off to there really so what was your so yeah that so I, 2009 i was thinking about um because there's another summer the original summer punk was in ring of honor but i can't tell you much oh, about that no. in terms of like I, I was a I, filthy I, casual. I was only WWE. Yeah, I didn't even know what Ring of Honor was. Then. I mean, I wasn't. I'm more probably. I'm. I'm. I'm not massively watching WWE now. But I wasn't. I. Sh- I wish I'd paid more attention to Ring of Honor and stuff. I don't yeah. really know why I didn't. I was just like WWE for life at that sort of stage. But yeah, we, we did have a period of the re- of the wrestling channel um, where there was actually a channel on Sky that just showed wrestling all day, uh, which was great. Oh, man. Uh, but you did. You did. It did tend to be the same tapes over and over again they did go they did have tna pay-per-views to start off with on that wow um yeah yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It, it's just and also a lot of stuff was cut during the day as well because like obviously for violence and things so um yeah. yeah it wasn't quite good but yeah that pipe bomb um remember that was there was massive like lots of people that were kind of either kind of fallen away from it got back into it as a result of that and they mucked it up mm. in about i think two weeks didn't they, i believe after he came mm. back and no one really understood what his new music was though it, it did settle down and people started liking it after a while but yeah, yeah. Disappointing. but they got it him was... back again they did they did get it back once he won the title again he did have a good run thereafter for about a he year he had a great was... run and yeah. he that that was when i actually started going to live shows so whenever wwe was over here 
um, going to live shows, CM Punk on top. And what was interesting, so I, um, because I wanted to make up for this lost time, uh, WWE were really good at doing their documentaries at the time. I don't yes. know if they still do anything. Do you remember uh, there was that phase where they were just, just plugging out so many great documentaries yeah. about everything that they covered? They still do their documentaries. Um, they, I think they do a bit, but they don't. They, they certainly don't. They don't. Send, I don't think they spend quite as much money on it now. And I think mm. it's to do with the Peacock thing because Peacock are just paying them. Oh, sure. So they don't have to necessarily produce such good stuff for their network because it's it's prepaid. So that really the pay per views are the driver of that now, rather than yeah. a lot of the original content. But yeah, I agree. The documentaries were phenomenal. It was the best stuff they did. Really, I thought. I thought. For oh, it really years. was, and it yeah. was like our version of tape. Was it tape swapping? Right, like because yeah. you would have all of our mates at uni, we would all have different um, different documentaries, and we would hand them out. And one that really I remember I watched like five times over, and I just I was obsessing over it was. The NWOs, I think it was Back to Black. They, yeah, they that was one of the early ones they brought out, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was insane. Yeah. It was so good. And I, I just watched it constantly. So when Punk dropped that pipe bomb on Raw, I knew, even though I hadn't been a wrestling fan, and realistically, I'd only been a wrestling fan for two plus years because mm. I don't really count when I was younger. But I had already known so much of the history, so much of the, the backstory without actually living it. That's then what really pulled me in, in a weird way, the documentary side of it, because it gave me all this fantastic history. And as you alluded to, when Michael's retired, they put out just fantastic footage and vignettes on him. And um, that's what really pulled me yeah. I'd say, back into it. Yeah. So did you go back at that time and watch, like try and get your hands on quite a lot of older stuff in terms of like filling yeah. in the gaps and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. If the... If the network was a thing at uni, I think it came in just afterwards. That would have been a dream because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you've got all this time on your hands. All you're doing is a lecture or you know, a bit of coursework. I would have just just uh, consumed my time with watching the old Nitros and, and Attitude WWE. That would have just been fantastic. But, yeah, I, I got it where I could, yeah. Yeah, I think I've, I tweeted at the time um, when the network came out that I think this is just going to destroy all of my relationships and also make me lose my job. Um, and it was a bit like that for a time. And I, I remember I was on gardening leave for a while when when the network yeah. had been out maybe for like 18 months. I was just watching wrestling all day, like all the old yeah. nitros, loads of old pay-per-views. I don't I don't have as much time now to watch it, but it is it's the libraries. I would always keep WWE Network because of the library, really, because yeah. it's such a, a good thing to have access to. But it's funny, like piecing together that if you're, if you're, let's say you're 15 years old now or something, and you're like yeah. banging into wrestling, maybe your dad watches it or your mum watches it, or whatever, and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to watch all the other WrestleManias. How easy is that? Like when I was a kid, the first event that I was around for that I watched at the time was SummerSlam 1990. Mm. And then we, they, Silvervision, who used to do the WF tapes, would release a tape like once every couple of months. Um, and they'd have like a catalogue where it would have like upcoming and you'd, you'd have like, you could see the matches and stuff and you could kind of work out from who the champion was, what had happened in the, in like the previous events. But it was like, you had to, there was no internet. There was no like history books on wrestling. No. There was nothing that existed. So you were just constantly like um, trying to work out. I remember there was a, re- a magazine called Inside Wrestling, um, which we'd get so much later than um, like 
it was released in the States, but that had the, the Heart Foundation Rockers tag team title change. I don't know if, you, if that's that you've ever come across that where they no, no, so in um in 1990, I think late in 1990, Jim Nightheart was being kicked out of the promotion basically. So they did a title switch that was taped for Saturday night's main event. And during yeah. the match, the top rope broke and the titles changed hands. The Rockers beat the Heart Foundation, um, but then they didn't air it because Jim Nightheart had basically like they'd sort it out and he'd come back. So they basically in, in the local markets, I think they put something on superstars to say, oh, like, because the top rope broke, we've reversed the decision. But that was in the magazine. So they they'd announced that the title change had happened in that magazine. And for years I didn't understand. I was like, I didn't I did not know what this thing was. How is this a thing? Yeah. And I probably realized probably 10 or 15, probably 15 years later, reading in some probably Sean Michael's book, it would have been, or maybe Bret Hart's, what actually happened about that. But yeah, kids today, they've got it too easy, basically. <laughs> Far too easy. We've got it too easy, got it too easy. And um and and actually just you know when when you alluded to like ring of honor and wanting to know a bit more this is where i guess a lovely transition came to for when i got into the japanese stuff which is yes. how we met yes so um wrestle kingdom 14 right you tell well, me I, I can't remember yeah i think it must have been yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah wrestle kingdom 14 and for i think it must have been around 2015 2016 I was just, I was just getting so bored of WWE. Uh, I think it was like when Shane came back. I think Shane Undertaker they did oh, something. Oh, crikey! What an awful WrestleMania that was! Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it was around that time, and it was just, I found myself. <clears throat> excuse me, I found myself. Um, it went to. I just watched like because I would watch Raw, right? You know, three hours all the way through, and then it got to a phase where. I was just watching the highlights and I yeah. was spinning through things. And then this is how bad it got. I would just like uh, the next morning on the commute. So I wouldn't even bother listening, uh, watching what I'd already uh, recorded, but I would just read reviews like on Bleacher Report or something. Yeah. And then it was just me saying to myself, do I actually enjoy any of this anymore? Like this is yeah. not fun. It's not but I was still gravitating to wrestling because there was so much cool stuff that was happening. And, and I, I know the British scene was really coming up and um, you had all these guys going to NXT that were just insane at that time. I think NXT was really getting its legs. And then Finn Balor came over and, and it was like, well, I need to find out what this bullet club thing is. Let's yep. start watching new Japan. So that was what really pulled me in. And, and as my, I guess, as the WWE stock went down, the, you know, my enjoyment, my stock was rising in, in new Japan. And um, there was a really good deal going on. I think it was flights like BA flights or something crazy, like 270 pounds. Like I found like an amazing deal and it coincided. So they were going uh, for the month of January and, I thought, oh my God, that's crazy. Let's see if I can get Wrestle Kingdom tickets. Yeah. Because Wrestle Kingdom at that time, and maybe it still is for a lot of fans, I really don't know, but it was so like mystical to me. Like it was 100%. You know, the it's something about the dome, isn't it? The, the dome. The, something the about yeah, that. 100%. And the, when you're early getting into it, the unpronounceable names and the lineage and the prestige and yep. you know, Okada holding the belt for like a year and a half and breaking time. Like it's so far removed from the products that we would get in definitely in the west well, well definitely in, in wwe um it really just gravitate i really just gravitated to it and so when i booked my tickets and, and built my uh holiday around that and um 
I, I, I'm going to ask you because we're a couple of weeks removed from Osprey Oku, but just coming back to Wrestle Kingdom 14, <laughs> the, the matches I saw in person there were still to this day some of the greatest things I've seen in my life. Yeah, big time. I think that the Japan thing, like I remember, I can't remember what year it was. It was Tanahashi and Okada in the main event, which probably doesn't narrow it down too much. I'm sure they've done, they've done <laughs> a few Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. How, how many? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it would have been, it wasn't, so let's think about this. So 2018 would have been Okada and Naito when Okada won. 2017 was Okada and Omega. So 2016, 2016 Wrestle Kingdom was on an early version of Fight. It was called Flips. I think it's the same people that ended up being Fight or or Fight bought them out. So I was able to buy that on pay-per-view and watch that at an old place in Wimbledon. It was really good. Um, And then I met, because I remember that, um, at the time, it was uh, live audio wrestling and the Fight Network. The guys on that, uh, the, the podcast that we went to, actually, the, the two guys that were with the Super mm, Makeup mm. podcast guys, um, they would talk about the G1. And I got the 20, um, even earlier than that, I got maybe the 2013 G1 on like 15 sort of rip-off DVD things. Yeah, someone had yeah. that burn them off the internet. Um, and I, I thought it was incredible. But that, that time around that, in terms of the mid-2000s, it was difficult to follow some of the stuff because it just was hard to find. And like New Japan World was a nightmare to sign up for and all that sort of stuff. It wasn't even in English, right? I mean, don't Kevin Kelly English. wasn't even... Uh, no, there was yeah. one, I think one year, uh, I can't remember the guy that did it, but one of the Japanese wrestlers did the, did the English commentary with Kevin Kelly for um, Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe the AJ Styles... Shinsuke Nakamura year. I don't know what year that was. Maybe that's the same year. As, maybe 2017. I think that was the same well. year as yours because then they flipped the uh, they flipped the um, main events. Oh, actually, um, they put Nakamura. I that, yeah, I think that might have been my... Nakamura and Ibushi was the one that I watched live because because there was a lot of because a lot of people thought that was the best match like pretty much ever. But I preferred yeah, the main yeah. event. Um, but yeah. anyway, go go. Back. I think that in that in terms of that era, New Japan was unbelievable, and hopefully it'll get back to to some heights. But in terms of the the, the, dr- mm. dr- the drama and the matches and the athleticism and the hard, it was just it was pretty much perfect for a long time. But um, yeah, sad. I mean, we hopefully it'll get back there, and there's some interesting stuff they can do with AEW. But that that trip to Japan was just um was just a bit different level, wasn't it? So why don't you tell the listeners how we uh, how we sort of met in the first place in, in, yeah. in, in, in Japan's finest food establishment? Oh, my God. Yeah, we're going to expose the secrets, right? Yeah, we are, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so so uh, I was there. I was travelling solo to see this. Um, you, and, um, you and Charlotte were there, and we just happened to sit next to each other because we were gathering at say now this was a joint podcast thing right yes, because yeah. i i was listening to super j cast you were listening to was it post wrestling post wrestling that's it yeah john wrestling. yeah yeah i get there um and i i stupidly as i do i always get places early so i had like gone to the bar and i didn't realize everyone was gathering outside so i'd gone to the bar and it was we did still the same like, thing we did the same yeah, we were sat in a different part of the restaurant yeah around. And going, well, you know, are we, uh, what's happening here? What's going on like that? And then all of a sudden, I think it was like a hundred people pile in, um, grab their seats, and we sort of sleep uh, sheepishly, like walk over, just sit down, and we get chat in, and, and yeah, it was yeah. fantastic. There were a lot of Americans there though, so we probably gravitated to the British accents. I don't Definitely. know, but um, it was great. We were separate on the first night, weren't we? So you had your tickets. 
you were like completely in the Japanese section the whole time, right? Yeah, I didn't. Did you but buy it? Because because the, the slightly odd thing with that event is that you had for a foreigner ticket sale, which which when you think about it is actually quite odd. But they, they basically right. wanted all the foreigners to sit together. So they weren't, you know, upsetting the I Japanese know, fans. Because I because when I got my tickets through, they were very I mean, you could have faked those things. You could have sent yeah. me the email and like had a couple of, you know, uh, here's your ticket. We're give you a barcode and i was like this is i guess it's all playing into the mystique of it i don't know but like how, how did you get yours did you get yours via oh new japan God. or did you go far yeah it was via new japan yeah. so it was a foreign ticket sale yeah oh yeah. there you go then there yeah. you go um so i did that um i uh i'll tell you the night the first oh, you already know the story but uh that first night in in the tokyo dome i mean i walk in and it's quite a, you walk in through the turnstiles and you're immediately there, aren't yes. you? You're in the seats. Yeah. Like there's not much. No. I, I'd probably even argue there's probably three or four steps between the, the two. Like it's you're so narrow. You're straight in pretty much. You're yeah. straight in. And the place is alive. Yeah. It's just bustling with wrestling fans. And just even standing outside the Tokyo Dome for that Wrestle Kingdom show, you've got the people dressed up and you Japanese are so great with all their costumes and everything that side of pop culture that it's just blown away. Um, and I, I bought in with me, I can't remember if it was two or three uh, strong, well, they got strong zero. Strong, strong zeros. zeros probably yeah. how I can't remember is probably the reason why it was uh, three instead <laughs> of two. But, but uh, I, I cracked one open and these things are safe. You can bring in, you can bring out in alcohol at the Tokyo Dome, basically. Yeah, this, yeah. yeah. And I cracked open the first uh, strong zero. I think it was like lemon flavored or I don't know, lime flavored, something like that. 9% um, alcohol, these are. <laughs> I should have just Googled it. I swear yeah. it's like vodka mixed with beer and something <laughs> yeah. else. Like, it's a crazy concoction. I mean, it tastes bloody amazing and sadly you can't get it here in the uk um but yeah I, I i had had two with me and i was so um buzzed in a good way by the time we were getting to the main events in brackets you know because there's more than one main event main event matches um and i thought to myself if i crack the second one open i'm going to tip myself over a bit too far <laughs> so i was saving it until the main event on, on night one but yeah um that was insane. Then night two, we we sat together. And the only reason we sat together is because we found ourselves both doing the very embarrassing thing of what do you do when you're in a foreign country? You go to the food you know, right? So we were... Yes. <laughs> what was the place? It was TGI Fridays. TGI Friday, Fridays, right? yeah. Well, the problem with... Okay, so we, we, you were standing in Tokyo Dome City as well, weren't you? Around yeah, that yeah. Area. I was yeah. just on the other side of the road, yeah. Yeah, so we, so we moved. So, so we, were, we were staying in uh, Shinjuku, uh, which was incredible. I would highly recommend... If you go back there... Um, mm. or maybe even we go back there at some point it was incredible because you've got the alleyways with the little tiny bars are so good though Charlotte and I had a particularly heavy night on New Year's Eve which ended up me falling over and scraping all the skin off my hands as you, you didn't see the hat I think you might have seen a photo actually but you saw my big plasters a little ridiculous yeah, um, yeah. but that was so good around there but we moved on the Saturday morning so the day that we met you we went mm. to, to stay in the, in the Tokyo Dome Hotel which was good but there was not much around there other than 
TGI Fridays and a few like smaller restaurants that I didn't really, I mean, they were, I'm sure they were fine, but there yeah. wasn't much there, yeah. was there really? Whereas in okay, Chicago, yeah. you had everything. You, you had like, if you wanted some Western stuff, you had like, you know, numerous places you could go. Or if you wanted Japanese stuff, there's loads of places you could go on your doorstep. Yeah. That wasn't really there. So yeah, TGI Fridays on the Sunday, um, we were back basically. <laughs> Both were getting cheap as well. I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember who discovered who. It might have been you guys were sitting down first and <laughs> it was like a competition of... Uh, who looks more embarrassed? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because we're in one of the greatest cities in the world. Now, I had already been out there a week before, and um, I had had so much sushi and just again all amazing, unpronounceable food dishes that mm. just blow your blow your socks off. And I had, I just thought, I just want some chicken wings just tonight. I want something <laughs> easy because I know I'm gonna. I need to get into the arena. I don't want to be like in a restaurant going, oh my God, what do I do? What do I, do? I yeah. just want something that's quick, easy. I know what I need, fills the stomach, lines the stomach for the, the strong zeros to come. Um, yes, yeah, so that was that. And you had uh, you had your spare ticket there and said, well, why don't you come and sit with uh, with me? And I was like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Even though I had a ticket for the night, it was just just easier to... To, to sit together and we were we were all the Japanese guys and, and the the locals and I I've never been part of a better pop than when Naito wins yeah and the normally reserved Japanese fans there was even a guy like an old guy in front of us who who I thought he had launched himself like three mm. rows down because he jumped out so quick out of his seat and it was amazing to be in that arena when that moment yeah. happened. I preferred the second night. I think I think um, the second mm. night, Okada and Ibushi was really good, even though I thought it was a bit slow at the start. And obviously the first night you had a Hiromu and Osprey. But I thought the second night was such yeah. good fun. I think, you know, we, we, had, we had the strong zeros. I ordered a pint of whiskey by mistake. <laughs> you, our Irish friend just coupled down from us had that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was just so good. And Jericho and Tanahashi were so good. And there was, there that was felt good. like there was really big stakes to that because of the AEW stuff. And he was AEW champion at the he time. He came out with the championship. He didn't revealed because we know we didn't know he had it covered we up and then he revealed it in the ring. It was all the oohs and ahs. But it's just such a shame that um obviously, mm. you know, crikey, pandemic related to wrestling, you know, there's lots of worse things that are off as a result of that. But in terms of what happened, I thought New Japan, like they sold 70,000 tickets over two nights, which was great. They Amazing. were really a, a good point there. Um, Naito didn't really get a chance to have, have a proper run. And we've not had, um, for ages now, fans been able to clap and, you know, clap and, and cheer. Sorry, not clap, not been able to cheer or boo. Um, yeah. and, and, and as you say, like, there is a very special atmosphere in Japanese crowds. Like they're very respectful, but... You know, towards the end of that Naito and Okada, there's a, there was a buzz, there's a drama, there's a genuine sports-like feel in that crowd. And that, and that is what's missing from these high-quality New Japan matches now. That There's no, there's no yeah. crowd there's no crowd noise. They do their best with the clapping. but um, And I just don't know when that's going to change. I tweeted Kevin Kelly and Chris Chant about it yesterday, actually. Asking oh, wow, yeah. They, yeah. they did not respond. So, and no, I'm sure no, they, your I, Twitter game is fantastic. So oh, I'll, uh, do my, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, they, uh, they, they, I guess they probably sick, sick and tired of getting that, um, that yeah, question. Bet, but that was, yeah. I was buzzing when we left, when we left that, that arena. It was such a good, such, such, such a good day. But um, yeah, alas, um, I was hoping to go back to back to Tokyo this Christmas, just gone. But obviously, yeah, you still can't yeah. get in. And I think that that might be a later in life trip again now, unfortunately. But I we'll, think uh, so. We'll see. Yeah. You, and yeah, like, I, and I'll, I'll be with you there, mate, because um, I, I need to go back to that place. And even on the second night, 
uh, I think I'd gone. I might have even ordered you that pint of whiskey. I don't know, but I, I, I was I was at one of like the concession stands, and I was walking back to our seats, and Ethy walked past me. And then uh, a Rene Young is like sitting there as well. Oh, I didn't know Did that. I tell you this? No, you oh, didn't. Oh my god! No, no. And and it was like I was surrounded by. I lose the word. Yeah, it's it's not you're not resting royalty, but it kind of is. But yeah, like yeah. you're just surround like you're in it as well. And I feel like I've never got that from like a WWE show or anything like anything grand scale. Even though Wrestle Kingdom is grand scale, you still get that that indie vibe to it you know like when you've got oh, the, yeah. the guys they've just had their match and then at the back of uh your call they're they're selling their t-shirts you know that you can t- almost touch them type yeah, of thing incredible you know? if, if, mm. if money was no object i'd go to japan every single year on about the 26th of december until about the probably the 8th or 9th of january yeah because you can go i went to an all japan show at korokan hall korokan hall is one of the best places in the world to watch wrestling it's 1800 seats not a bad yeah. seat at the place um you could go and see stardom who are pretty much my favorite promotion at the moment i would yeah. say yeah um you could go and see all japan you could go and see dragon gate you could go and see um what's the the funny one ddt all sorts yeah, of things DDT. in that week all the big shows probably two tokyo don't so i would love to do it um hopefully there'll be a lottery win uh, before too long and i'll, I'll yeah. take it so in answer to your question uh, about oku and osprey i haven't hey, watched talk, it again i haven't watched it again because I, <laughs> I just don't want to bring myself to do it at the moment i want to yeah. live live with the memories for a little while longer but i i do think it's the best match i've ever seen live still i do yeah. think it i just think there's nothing there's nothing there's two others. There's the Hiromu and Osprey one from night one. And then there's Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole from NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. That one, I thought Hiromu and Osprey was technically better, but I, the, but the Gargano and Cole took me to an emotional higher place than that one. Um, yeah. But Oku and Osprey blew that away. I literally was gripping on. I mean, you saw it. I was gripping onto yeah. the guardrail for dear life for about 10 minutes. It was just yeah. out, out of world. I will watch it at some point, but I, I, I think I need to give myself six months. Because I, I was about to say that. six yeah. months. Yeah, seeing it live, and I did think to myself, "Are we just in that bubble that you can be when you're live yeah. and viewing it?" And then when it went out a week later, and I'm, you know, you said it to your audience, but damn, if you've not watched that match, yeah, watch it. Stop what you're doing and and watch that match because it's incredible how good that was yeah. in the moment after the fact. I was thinking about it the other day. I was still getting goosebumps from it. And, and there were just moments that I'm even dissecting in my mind and I was telling my mates about it. And just like even after when Will is just sitting on the canvas and he's like, he's got his knees up and, and he's like emotionless. Yeah. And the, the girlfriend runs in and you're just like, oh my God, this is so good. And it's a masterpiece masterpiece of, yeah. of arts right in front of us there. it really yeah. it really was i mean i i just think i other than i, I can't think of a, a scenario that there, there, there may be something and, and I, i'm not sure osprey is the one because i don't know what's going to happen with him and he's in a slightly weird spot with with fans where he's kind of more of a heel than a phase i don't know yeah. he's certainly playing a heel in in, uh, in rove pro but there's kind of an underlying undercurrent with him um but I could imagine like a hometown somebody winning a big, like an AEW title at a big show here. Maybe that could get there emotion wise, but I just, I just, I'm not sure. I, as I tweeted at the time, I think I could live to be a hundred and not see a wrestling match better than that in terms of 
we were all in that front row, just mm. like living every single moment of that. And it, it I just don't. You what know, about a uh, like um, Ibushi uh, Omega, Omega match, like like their last one, and they know they're going into the last one. They're still fit and young enough to do whatever, but they are cool in time on their eight, ten year, whatever story arc they're doing. Do you think that could? Maybe raise yeah, the level potentially, of- but I don't. I think it's unlikely I'll be there for that. Is, is the thing I'm thinking. <laughs> so like, I, I, um, I, I, I kind of got to think. I don't think there's any. I did say to Charlotte, um, we were watching a documentary that I would recommend. It's be, be on Netflix in the next week or so called Bad Vegan, which is quite, which is quite good. Um, okay. it's set in, in the states, but uh, it's all about this this uh, lady. It was like a restaurateur in um in New York who's a vegan restaurateur. But she got conned yeah. by this guy, but it's a bit of a mad story. Um, but anyway, I was just thinking, I really miss going to America and some of the WrestleMania trips. But that being said, there's nothing on the WrestleMania card that would make like if I if I won five million quid tomorrow, I don't yeah. think I'd go to Wrestle. I still don't think I'd go to Wrestle. I go to Japan and I'd go to the next AEW pay per view. Absolutely, I'm not sure I'd go to WrestleMania because I'd, I'd just be disappointed. I think I'd walk out of there thinking, though that being said, I, I would be interested in seeing Steve Austin wrestle, but well, we still don't know if that's actually gonna gonna happen. Actually, question for you. What do you te- what's your viewing habits at the moment, wrestling wise? Did you watch AEW religiously or how do you what what do you tend to do week to week? Yeah, AEW, it's been recorded. I think it's on ITV4, which is fantastic. Mm. It does allow me to skip through some of the parts, but I like yes. it. I, I I'd probably say my Western wrestling is consumed just by AEW. Um, I couldn't even say the last time I watched WWE programming in all honesty. Yeah. I was, uh, I was amazingly surprised that there was Steve Austin being touted. Is that, is that something? Is that, I think it's, well, yeah. it's not confirmed, right? But it, there's no, something to it, right? We're a week, week ahead with this. Uh, so we're recording okay. on February 22nd. So it's possible something might be announced by the time. Sure this is but i believe it's happening yeah everyone wow. that, um it might I, make, it'll get me to tune in yeah i, I think the, they're, they're trying to sell tickets the, the kind of sean ross saps and dave Meltz is the world that seem to have any kind of inside track on this sort of thing seem mm. to think it's going to happen so yeah mm. um, fair enough then okay yeah. yeah and and so apart from yeah apart from AEW, new japan um and yeah, Rev Pro. Now we're back to uh, we're back to it. Yeah, yeah. Roll on May the twenty second. Uh, I know. As my, as my diary, cat Mabel makes uh, makes an appearance oh. on the uh, on the Gorgeous show. But, yeah. Is you, are you going to be purring on that? There, if you, if you hear any odd noises, it might might be her. But there we go. <laughs> I don't know how long she's going to stay around for. All right. Um. Now on to Mid South. So have you yes, ever sir. seen an, an, an any of this promotion before? Or and I suspect the answer probably is no to that. But what was your kind of awareness and what was your, you know, I know, obviously, you know, know I know that, that we've done a sort of podcast on it. But what, what did you know about this, this, this promotion before, you know, watching it for the first time, presumably today? Yeah, didn't, um, is this like, I, I know Steve Stone Cold's podcast, he talks a lot about this era, doesn't he? Or is that just a little bit earlier? I can't remember, um, but... Jim Just Ross was involved, so it's possible. I, I don't know yeah. whether he, he may have seen some of this because he was in Texas and I think he probably would have got the Mid-South television. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that, and I guess I guess outside of when Vince was doing his expansion and just shutting down all the territories and things like that, that's probably my 
extent to the knowledge that I knew yeah. about this. I mean, particularly watching this episode, there were names straight away that I, I was able to pick up on. I was like, wow, okay, this is where, I mean, Jim Duggan, for example, I mean, he's, he's looking young, right? <laughs> he was young, <laughs> man, yeah. Him, I've never seen him look so young. So, yeah, there were people that I knew. Um, I'd, I'd never watched a, an episode of Mid-South, but um, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. It was really good. And this is was... a good week, actually, you've got here. So yeah, Oh, that's, that's just, all right yeah. then, yeah. Because yeah. it was, um, it just feels like what wrestling should be. Oh, I say that through gritted teeth because that, you know, wrestling evolves, doesn't it? But um, I, yeah, it was gritty. It was no real theatrics. It was just guys getting into the ring, cutting promos and just getting there. As Jim Ross says, you know, we don't, we don't settle this in the boardroom. We sell it in the squared circle. That's what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, they really were. And I, t- I, I mean, I, I, th- I think we probably, I probably talked about this when, when we got together last and the repro show. But really, this was about you know there was a guy out there that was looking for some some podcast content or some new ideas. I reached out to him and said, look, I'd always been interested in watching Mid South because you always hear about how good the television was and mm. how well booked it was and how a lot of people that became stars in other places were stars. If it was particularly Ted DiBiase. Rock and Roll Express. Rock and Roll Express, yeah. Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that was the reason that I, I sort of started it and carried it on by myself. But it's just an interesting time because we're, we're only, this promotion's only going to be around until the end of 87. So we, we, we've got less than two years left um, now. So um, we'll go into the actual actual television review. Uh, and we, we mm. open with a recap of last week's big angle with two masked superstars and their beatdown of our tag team champions, Ted DiBiase and Dr. Death. And then we got brand new opening titles to this, this show. So I'd not seen these before. And we got clips outside the Superdome, various wrestlers in action, and essentially shots of their big arenas set to the old heavy bass theme. Any any thoughts on this? Uh, these opening credits here? Great yeah. intro. You can really tell it's 80s wrestling, can't yes. you? The guitar, the, uh, the, the captions, well, not the captions, the... Uh, the the shots that they're showing yeah Big you can time. really tell and the uh the superdome wow i mean that was that was uh one of the wrestlemanias there wrestlemania 30 two so actually was... yeah yeah oh right there you go yeah. so i um i remember first seeing the superdome and thinking how insane and amazing it looks and it still holds up right and it was cool to see it as an aerial shot here as well yeah definitely it's been around a long time now but they, they did they did refurbish it maybe after Katrina, I think, because it was quite badly damaged oh, uh, in that. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, still a, still a very impressive building on the outside. Um, so Ross and Joel Watts were dressed in their tuxedos again, and they ran down the forthcoming card, including a match between Terry Taylor and Jake Roberts. Uh, actually, Dan and I reviewed that a couple of weeks ago um, because basically a lot of this library is missing now in 86 and 87, unfortunately. So, the, so oh, yeah. um, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but basically... Up to the end of '86, up to the end of '85, pretty much all of those, all of those. T- this, sorry, my cat is just won't leave me alone. She's all over the microphone. It's, it's so I, I usually it's do this in a different room, actually, so where she can't. Uh, come on, get she's, out of it. She's looking go. at something. <laughs> yeah, she's looking at the other one. Actually, he's on the floor waiting to oh, attack him. I think. Um, yeah. So basically, and at the end of '85, um, the WWE Network coverage of this promotion cuts off. So there's one episode, oh, I think, in '86, which is the debut of Sting and the Ultimate Warrior. Um, but I understand from speaking to um, 
various people, including Bill Watts' son, Micah, that what happened is a lot of the tapes were given to, because Jim Crockett bought the promotion, basically. Mm. So what became WCW bought this promotion in, in late 87. Um, and a lot of these tapes were lost forever because they were used in promotional packages that Jim Crockett promotions did, and they were never returned. But sometimes the odd one does pop back up on YouTube. But as you as we can tell and we'll talk about, this was this was someone's VHS copy of this that they recorded off their television. So that's, that's why some of these exist. We've got six or seven weeks now of a straight run then you 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 can't find more than like a couple of months they're just not available unfortunately so whereas the podcast over the last couple of years was very much sort of week to week exactly when it originally aired it isn't quite like that now and so that's why we released this um this taylor and roberts match before because i didn't realize it's actually on a show that still existed but anyway we move on so we've got a clip of the last oh just quick one was he was he Bill Watts's son? Joel Watts is Bill Watts's adopted son. Yes. Oh, okay. There yeah. You go. So he was uh, Bill's either first or second first wife's son, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's been married a few times. It might one of his early wives' sons, basically. So not biologically, but he adopted him. Um, so he, yeah, yeah, he's, he's yeah. heavily involved in the promotion commentary and also, unfortunately, not on this show, but cracking uh, production of 80s music videos for the wrestlers, which was phenomenal, <laughs> absolutely incredible, like one of the highlights. Um, so we got a clip of the last time that Taylor and Roberts tangled, which ended with Taylor victorious, but Roberts winning the proverbial war uh, as he attacked Taylor afterwards with his boot. And then DDT'd him on a chair, which led to a prolonged period of Taylor sport and neck brace. I thought this was odd, actually, because... Um, Roberts was one of the top promotion, top babyface in the promotion at the time, and obviously they're showing him doing sort of dastardly things, which is a bit of a you wouldn't, I don't think necessarily on like AEW say someone that had turned babyface, they'd go back and show something that they did wrong. Do you think? Yeah, yeah, that's slightly is strange, odd, wasn't isn't it? it? And it, it just coming back to the move, like the DVT, it such a devastating move, mm. and in the context of of 80s or late 80s wrestling you can really see why it was so over because even again even getting your head spiked and then spiked on a chair good lord yes not very it looks, pleasant it looks bad doesn't it yeah yeah taylor actually did matches in that that neck collar as well which was um which was ridiculous uh we then cut to the t- cut to taylor in ring with ross he said he came there to be north american champion he remembers the last time they wrestled uh, the stitch in his head and after um basically he's after the title and he has to go through roberts and he will um, i can't say taylor's promos were ever really a particular strength of his did you have any, did you, what are your thoughts on so probably maybe seeing terry taylor cut a promo for the first time here first time yeah um and just uh, a word on the promos going through it i don't know if it was just again refreshing for me to view but just nice simple promos actually and yeah. just saying if they're a heel or babyface, you know exactly where they're talking from, what they're going to do, and the outcome. And I think it was Brett that said, like, don't make stuff up. Like, just just keep it simple and and uh, say exactly what you need to say. And um, I don't know it was it was actually refreshing to hear promos that don't go on for twenty five minutes and yeah, exactly and big long pauses in it. Yeah, and it was obviously there's no you know scripting or anything here, so it's just natural. And this is what you know Taylor thought, and that was it basically. Um, Roberts was in next, and he was shown with Ross, and he called Taylor a fine athlete, but asked if he had a short memory because things were going to end up the same way. I thought this was better from from Roberts, but as you say, yeah. this is pretty quick and out of there, wasn't he? Basically, yeah. 
Um, up first in ring were the New Zealand sheep herders, the, the artists that would soon to be the Bushwhackers, uh, going up against the fan favourite Bruise Brothers with accompanying Blues Brothers. That's a bit of a mouthful. Music <laughs> and full entrance, which enabled me to finish my dinner. And that was steak and salad for anyone that cares. I overdid the steak, so it was as tough as old boots. Uh, and that was zero carbs. I'm trying to lose some uh, post-Christmas tubs at the moment. So I feel quite right. hungry while, uh, while, while doing this podcast, but I will not get myself a chocolate bar or something after. <laughs> um, so shockingly, the, the sheep herders beat the fan favourites here in two minutes and six seconds with a dummy, with the, oh, crikey, with their double stomach buster, which I initially wrote as stomach butter, which I think is something altogether different. Uh, what did you th- think of the future Bushwhackers here? Yeah, yeah, the Bushwhackers. I vaguely remember them because I did re-watch, when I did get the network, I re-watched like, the lead-up to the Attitude Era. No, it's mm-hmm. fine. Um I mean, nice, easy song for the crowd to sing along, right? For the Bruise Brothers. And, yes. Uh, I, I very rarely you see in your life the New Zealand flag get booed. So that was interesting <laughs> to see. Um, but it was interesting. Like, there was a few choice words from the commentary and they were saying, like, it's going to be a dandy one, folks. You never get a, uh, a wrestling match called dandy. No, and, no. Um, and then uh, a degenerate man. I don't even know if you can use that word degenerate anymore. But um, Can you not? Deranged. Oh, it's deranged. That was oh, it. deranged. yeah, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he, he said to yeah, he said uh, he's a deranged man, which I thought, well, you know, eighties commentary. So there you go. Yeah, there's, there's. I tell you what, there was much worse than that in '84, the first year I was doing. There was a lot oh of um, well, they were doing a whole America and Russia thing, and um, Bill Watts's words were interesting at times for that. Yeah. So. Yeah, next different time, different time, a different time, different time. We move on. Um, the next thing I must say, and I don't know whether you shared this, this the glee that I I had as Mabel is rubbing her face against my microphone. I just <laughs> what what is wrong with you tonight? I don't know. She's never been more friendly. Um, I looked away for a moment and then realised that this tape included the original adverts from 1986, which which almost blew my mind. And we had the grand opening sale for Benson Isuzu with various cars and trucks available. There was a woman talking about her delinquent son, Jimmy, and how they sent him to a place <laughs> that sorted him out, basically, and how other parents do the same. And then, and then we got an advert for a WWF house show at the Superdome, which nearly yeah. made me spit my water out. And the main event was Hogan versus the Iron Sheik, plus the return of Junkyard Dog. We then had an advert for car mufflers, the TV show Trapper John, which I'd never heard of, that was in the prime time slot of 11.05 p.m. on weeknight. So I doubt that was much. <laughs> um, and then we had the ghost of Thomas Edison promoting calling the Louisiana, oh, Louisiana Department of Natural Resources to try and save on your energy bill. I just, this is unbelievable. What did you I, think of I, I loved it. I loved yeah. it. I thought to myself, Steve, what the hell are you getting me to watch here, mate? Because <laughs> um, the one that stuck out to me, the particular highlight, was the gun show that was being Oh, well, we'll get, as... we'll get to that later. We'll oh, get to okay. that later. Right, okay. yeah. We'll <laughs> okay. get to that later. Fun I was wondering the family, why you yeah. didn't bring that up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll My get to that later. This is the first time I've ever had the adverts. So I, 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 I literally, I would quite happily watch an hour of the adverts and just review those, but... They were so oh, good. So, good so week good. indeed. Yeah, so good. Next up, wrestling sexiest man in 1986, Al Perez going up against Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. And I was expecting big things from these two. Ross said that Perez was one of the greatest athletes to ever come out of Tampa. And he hit his beautiful German suplex in three minutes, but the Mad Dog managed to kick out. 
Sawyer missed a, du- a big middle rope elbow in four minutes, which allowed Perez to rally, and he hit a great flying forearm. And this led ultimately to Perez jumping in the corner and flying backwards onto Sawyer. But Sawyer caught him, and in one incredible moment and movement, smashed him with a power slam for the win in four minutes and 30 seconds. I'd have liked this to go a little longer, albeit it was enjoyable. And I thought the finish was fantastic. What do you think of uh, Sawyer and Perez here? Yeah, really good, really good. Um, I don't know who was refing this. I mean, like, was Red Shoes Ono refing this? Because it was at one point, like, um, Sawyer was just grabbing Perez's hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right in front of the ref, like, constantly. And the ref would just <laughs> bat it away, and then he would go straight back to it. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, it was good. It was good at opener. Yeah, as you say, it could have gone a little bit longer, but fine opener, I think. Yeah, I thought that was decent. Uh, and next up, we got some local promos. So again, on the WWF or WWE Network, um, you didn't get the local promo. So if you were watching this show in Oklahoma, you'd get yeah. the stuff for their events and so on. Um, so we got local promos pushing the events in New Orleans, including in Loser Must Leave, the city for 90 days match between Dick Murdoch and the Mars Superstar, and the champions DiBiossi and Williams in a steel cage. Uh, Murdoch and Superstar had a promo, which was okay, uh, but I couldn't take my eyes off Murdoch's sky blue cap. That seemed a little bit uh, not in keeping with his character. And um, we then got a promo with Ted DiBiossi and Steve Williams. DiBiossi looking gorgeous as, as ever. And again, this one felt a little like it was recorded in a wind tunnel, which is a bit difficult to hear. But I thought Ted was very polished uh, and looked the part times a million. Um, any thoughts on these local promos before we move on to the next next segment? Yeah, definitely. Again, back to that point I made earlier, just honest and simple to the point. Um I really like the stipulation. I guess you can't really do it anymore or do it on such a smaller stage, if small's a good word, but like a loser leaves town or loser leaves the territory. That's mm. that's a fun stipulation. Yes. You you wouldn't in this day and age, you wouldn't believe, well, speaking of uh, Cody Rhodes leaving, but you would never think, oh, this guy's gonna leave and it'd be genuine. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You you can't get that past your audience, but here hey, you leave the territory, you've got to be gone for 90 days. You're probably thinking, oh, bloody hell, that's actually, that's stipulation there that works. Well, I wonder actually, because they used to do this all the time with DiBiase because he would go and do a tour in all Japan for like a month or a couple of months. Oh, okay. So I wonder actually if he's actually going to lose this and he's actually going back to all Japan for, I will actually have a look at that in a second. Um, but yeah, that is what they used to do quite a lot. Uh, next up, we had Steve Doll and David Peterson versus Mars Superstar 1, the future Demolition Axe, and Mars Superstar 2, oh, I don't know who he was, along with Dick Murdoch. Ross slagged off Murdoch's outfit, including a cap and a white vest, and said he <laughs> definitely didn't come out of the page of GQ. It surprised me that GQ was a thing in 1986. Particularly in the South as well. Well, I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm just really surprised about it. Then, John, I'm going to look up. It's been, it was found in 1931, GQ magazine, Gosh. which I'm very surprised about. Unfortunately, all of the other magazines from around then, which you, I guess, would have been too young for like FHM and Loaded and all that sort of stuff, wouldn't you? I'm, I'm presuming. Well, yeah, we would share it like one with a group of us at school. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the glory days for internet on your phone. Um, yeah. So basically, the master. You, you used to say that you were buying it for the sports section, right? Is that what you'd say? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's all about the articles. Um, <laughs> The Mars Superstars won a short match via clothesline in 2017. Haven't really got a lot to add about this, but I did like the funky guitar music uh, we got leading into the break. Any thoughts on uh, on this Steve Dull and David Peterson versus the Mars Superstars match? Yeah, Dull seemed to get quite a good pop from the crowds. Definitely um, heard some ladies screaming from the front row. Um, and 
the mass superstars they sort of reminded me a little bit of the dark order you know when they would have numbers and, and their masks and things like that yes that kind yeah. of just got a tiny vibe from there but um so far not many very big wins for the for the baby faces it's all heels so far no it is and i i promised i would look up look this up and shock horror where was ted dibiase on march 29th 1986 there you go he was in korokan hall in tokyo um, defeating Killer Khan for All Japan Pro Wrestling. He remained there until uh, he came back in early May. So unfortunately, so- soon we're losing. Yeah, exposed. But that's what he used to do. Like he was, um, he used to, he teamed with Stan Hansen and various other people. Ole Anderson did this one. So I presume he was still working. I think a lot of the um, American wrestlers worked as heels during their runs in yeah. Japan. So yeah, interesting. I'm sure and he was a earning very people, good money. They, they would they would never have known any of that. So no, no way. Pass it off as a great gimmick and then definitely had have the naive to it. Yeah. Smart. I wonder what I guess I guess at the time he was earning such good money. I mean, obviously he he was in. Um, he was in this promotion pretty much till the end um, before going to the WWF. Um, but he, so when did he go to, actually, uh, he, no, actually I'm lying about that. He was in the WWF in, by June of 86. Um, so he was in the, he was in UWF until around March 87. So he wasn't quite up until the end, but, and also he did do a, an all Japan tour after he debuted in, in WWF, which surprises me a little bit, but clearly he must have been on, I mean, back then these stars were in, were getting big, big money for their All Japan wow. um, tour. So I'm sure that he was, on, you know, working his home, you know, home promotion and then working All Japan, I'm sure was pretty lucrative for him. Just looking if he did, yeah, yeah. no, not nothing in, I'm just obsessed with DBS in, in Tokyo, clearly, or Japan. Yeah, nothing in 88 <laughs> for him. So uh, next up, which something I'm even more obsessed with, was more adverts. So first up, <laughs> 50 super hits. 50 amazing number ones, including Leo Sayer and Barry Manilow. This is a set of four records or four cassettes for the low, low price of $19.98 plus $3.50 of postage. Postage. Yeah, postage. You could get this on the phone or by sending a check to an address that flashed up. Amazing. Next up, we got some emotional music about Tennessee with various sites before a phone number flash up. And I presume you had to call that number if you either really liked Tennessee or really wanted to go. Then an advert for Wheel of Fortune, including future WrestleMania celebrity Vanna White, which they called the most popular game ever played on television. And finally, <laughs> I thought a really creepy advert for the New Orleans Public Library with a big key, basically talking about how the library was the key to various things in your life. Did you think that was, do you think that was creepy? I thought it was wholesome. I was like, it's oh. my local library. My local library advertised. I was like, yeah, I'll go down there. How cute was that? No, Come it was creepy. Your local library. Let, let's find out stuff together. I it, thought was it was so good. Creepy 80s music. I thought it was very, very strange. Um, and as, as I said earlier, I've reviewed nearly two and a half years of television. And these adverts just feel like <laughs> such a special discovery. Um, what? Yeah, would you have been on the phone ordering 50 super hits, by the way, as well? yeah probably at that time yeah (laughs) send him a little check off (laughs) four records i guess a compact disc was not really a thing in 86 but certainly not widely yeah i mean that would get you through 20 minutes at a wine and cheese party wouldn't it is 1998 good value for for what's um i'm gonna look at inflation calculator is that is that good value for four records in 1986 you think i have no idea yeah, let's nine ninety nine Spotify is good so for me. I'm in 1986, and I have what was it 1998? 
that is uh oh no hold on sorry 1986 2022 calculate uh that can't be right the same item would cost seven seven dollars this is really bad podcast is it if in if in if in 1986 i purchased an item for 1998 then in 2022 the item would be $51.25 oh my word for four songs for, for, yeah for 50 super hits I'm not sure about that. I think that I'm not sure that's good value. But you used to see like video cassettes and stuff. Um, that like the early WF tapes were something like forty or fifty dollars, weren't they? Which was which was crazy. I mean, forty dollars in twenty in nineteen six would be a hundred dollars now, because because yeah. VHSs were like really real real luxury goods back then. Which is well, there you go, right? Isn't it? it's yeah. tech, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. It's not had the time to trickle down. Want to watch like Hulk Hogan, Real American, or one of the early Coliseum videos <laughs> like a hundred times to make make you uh, make you feel like you you've done well with that money. Um, yeah. Next up, Taurus Bulba, along with Eddie Gilbert, against the debuting Tracy Smothers, and Tracy will be around for a little while in Mid South and the UWF before heading off to Memphis later in 1986. So I've written Lager rather than later. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, in two minutes, Smith, Smith, crikey, Smithers, Smothers, Mister Dropkick, and then was on the receiving end of a very odd-looking sort of diving, dropping headbutt, and that was it. And Bulb won in two twelve. Any thoughts on this short and not very pleasurable match? Yeah, the heels keep winning, don't they? Um, mm. The debut, Smothers got quite a nice cheer for a debut. So Yeah, he I did actually. He's, he's known locally, but he got a debut. I just think they were nice, big nice people. Big quick man match. So. Yeah, they're, they're nice, nice people. people. Yeah, I think it was the ladies again that were screaming. You can always tell, can't you, when the high pitch comes through? Um, yes. Because <laughs> he, but... was, he was, again, pretty... You know, long-haired guy, that type yep. of thing. So they were yeah, buying yeah. what he was selling, definitely. They were buying what he was selling. But Joe, um, Joel Watts had the nice line for the color. He said, "Like I've never seen him before, but he looks great. Good move set, and that kind of matches really what the audience is. If you if you've got a debuting guy, they don't know who it is, so you need to be brought along with him. It was, yes, I always used to get so annoyed. Probably not the best word, but you know. Um, Michael Cole would like scream to the rafters when like a new indie guy would debut and there's just silence in the audience. Yeah. But then you as the casual fan watching, you're like, who is this guy? Don't, yeah. don't scream and say I should know him. Like, like have that journey with me, you know? So um, I liked the commentary again. There. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Uh, more local promos next, which I'm ashamed to say I skipped purely for timing purposes as I finished this show mere minutes before we were set to record. I was actually a minute late. Um, did I miss anything good during this uh, this section? I think this was the only promo I actually didn't like. There was uh, Slater, Dick Slater was making a promo. They had a belt in the background, which was big and gold, but it wasn't one I recognised. Uh, so that's, no. that's their top title, which is about to change. Oh. That's their North, North American title, which is about to become... UWF heavyweight title, yeah. That looks good. I like that title. But um, Well, I think the AEW title is heavily influenced by that one and the yeah. IWGP one back, I think, if you think about it. I can see Because they're very similar, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. But the guy who's second, Slater, I mean, he was very annoying. He was laughing too loud. You can even hear what Slater was saying. Yeah. You skipped a good promo there, sir. <laughs> good. Next up, a six-man tag bout with Mike Scott, Sean O'Reilly, and Rob Ricksteiner. Um, they would be going up against the team of the Rock and Roll Express and Robert's brother, Ricky. So we had Ricky, Robert, and Ricky, which is not confusing <laughs> at all. Uh, Ricky and Robert 
uh, the Rock and Roll Express were out there in their cool black and yellow tights with tassels. And Robert turned up in a bright red double shoulder, uh, basically, I don't know if it's called a singlet, if it's double shoulder, but you can imagine someone like the fabulous Moolah wearing this. And it was not yeah. a good look, was it? Like, come on. If you're going to tag with these two, you've got to make some effort, I would say. Agreed. No, yeah. no, agreed. Yeah, yeah. They stand out. They're so fresh. They stand out even today. <laughs> they do. Yeah, agree. Um, so you're going to have to solve a mystery, or maybe you will, maybe you won't. But the bell rang. I literally looked away for a second because my phone flashed, and I looked back, and then the ref, they all looked a bit confused. Yeah. And then Ricky Ricky uh, Gibson got the step over reverse toehold, but the ref didn't count. So I have yeah. no idea what went on here. Ricky Morton did a little dance that I enjoyed, but can you solve the mystery? What happened? I I think it was a botch. I think that the ref counted too soon on something that he should have got then distracted by and then right. stopped counting. Um, yeah, there was a bit of confusion over it. So technically, there were two pins. There was the one in the middle that happened, hmm. and then the one that finished the 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 uh, the match but the one that finished the match it was like a um it was kind of weird like do you remember you know the beat in uh, the ufc and he did like a uh saluvia st- stretch which is like a hamstring stretch like oh, okay it, like, folds back that's kind of what like it was sold as a submission and i was like what the hell is that but it kind of is a real submission i don't know if they were going for that clearly i not, think they, they use that for very strange that for- He's oh, used he that for a pin a couple of times, yeah, rather oh, than a submission. So he's using yeah. it for a pin. Oh, interesting. Because yes. it's yeah. very similar to the, the stretch there, the submission. But um, yeah, I think it was botched by the ref and then they had to cover it up. But then the ref just kind of just gets up and like doesn't do the count. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> and then they play the music and uh, the thing is, carry on, right? It's literally live to tape. So they didn't, uh, though they could have edited it, they just couldn't be bothered, just left it in as it was basically. So yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and for the final time this week, it's advert time. First mm. up, the Superdome, which was leading Louisiana. Why can't I say Louisiana? Louisiana. I've seen Louisiana. Louisi- I said Louisiana twice now. Louisiana's march into the 21st century, then the gun show. A lovely place to bring the whole family. I mean, I know there's a lot of Americans listening to this. I'm, we, we're not going to get into gun laws because it's too controversial a subject. But what I can say is there's absolutely nowhere I'd rather go with the whole family <laughs> than a gun show. Um, we then got the Muffler advert again, plus Benson Azuzu. And then Bill Kempel, the action reporter on Channel 4, he gets involved when you need a helping hand. He follows through to get the job done and he makes a difference. Bill then said that people can call him day or night on the action line. And I bet he wasn't. Uh, guarding that action line at 4am if you phone him after like 10 beers or something. No way you get through to Bill. Um, Then we got an advert for former servicemen and how they could get a part-time job in the Air National Guard and the guy on the adverts loved it and he said he felt terrific. Finally, Sunday Night Theatre brought in part by Universal Furniture. Your thoughts on these final, final brilliant adverts? Oh, that one about being an air traffic marshal, is that what it Mm. was? That was yes, awesome. Similar to the library, Steve. No, 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 no. There it's was no creepy in this. <laughs> the, the library, the key, creepy. This, is it, I yeah, yeah, very, very wholesome. That's kind of nice. Uh, but yeah, the gun show. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And they're like, there was as soon as they say, "Hey, bring the family along," they've got like twenty assault rifles yeah, with knives sticking out the end, and that is the shot that they want to show when they're doing that. Uh, that over dialogue. That, that 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 assault rifle is the wind's gonna get it over the top to bring the bring the kids. Um Gustavo Mendoza versus Coco where next. Coco danced a lot on the way to the ring, got a good response. Oh, yeah. 
And all I could think about is how much I wanted to see some more adverts before this show was over. (laughs) Coco murdered, and I mean murdered, Mendoza in one minute and 10 seconds with a brutal drop kick from the middle rope right to the face of Gustavo that just rocked his neck back horrifically. And this was, I mean, they they slow motion replayed this. This was, oh, this was like a horrible, really. What did you think of Coco the killer here? This was fun. This was fun. Where, where is he in his career at this point? Uh, so this is pre, pre just pre WWF run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's he he's in the Hall of Fame, right? Yes, he is. And I had yeah, the pleasure yeah. of seeing that induction, actually. I believe. Yeah, he was fun, and the guy uh, Mendoza doesn't even get an entrance. It's all Coco B who who's got the entrance there, and he's dancing with the grannies in the front row, which is. Great, you love to see that. Don't know why he's called Birdman. Is that because of that dance that he does? Uh, I think so. Yeah. So I'm just looking it up. He's he actually joined the WWF as early as August '86. So he's very much in the um kind of towards the end of his his mid south UWF run at this point. It, though he's only just come mm. back. Actually, he's only just come back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he was great. I mean, jumps onto that turnbuckle, throws a hell of a drop kick, as you said. Um, Fantastic, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, very the, fun, very. Well, again, there was a good win for the for the faces, right? Very quick. This um, this drop kick's really got to be seen to be be believed. If I yeah. if I was a bit more skillful, I would I would tweet that out. But I, the app that you can sort of rip little bits of YouTube videos. Actually, maybe I can do it. I'll have to think about whether I can be bothered to do that as my cat makes another appearance. Um, Give it a go. Give it a go. I was about to skip the local promos and then Tony Schiavone popped up on an NWA television set with the Boogie Woogie Man setting up his match with Jimmy Garvin um, and Jimmy Garvin was with Precious. Um, So clearly there was some more cross-promotional stuff around this time. Um, Hang on, who was the the announcer for that? Tony Schiavone, that was. Was it? Yeah. So I didn't know who it was. And yeah. I put the announcer for Garland's uh, Boogeyman promos. I've never heard a man speak so quickly in my life. <laughs> and then Jim Ross had to do like a recap of it when yeah. he went back to studio. I was like, no, no kidding. Yeah, I just didn't even sound a word he said. Yeah, that was him. And he's really young here, which was probably oh my God. maybe late 20s, I would have thought. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. so that's it. But this is interesting because they're, Mid-South's not part of the NWA and really NWA at this point was just Jim Crockett so what became WCW um, yeah. so clearly they're helping out with um, more more, more superstars and stuff for, for Mid-South area events basically um, Ross yeah. then talked about the upcoming Superdome event with a million dollar prize on the line for uh, in the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup with 20 tag teams battling out for this top prize and this advert was set quite brilliantly to when the going gets tough. Anything to add on this uh, last set of local promos? No, just uh, just the Superdome. Yeah, it's such a great building, and um, it it's a place where you can really advertise and think, "Wow, that's where a big show is going to be." Yeah, definitely. It's really good to have yeah. that in in your in your area and stuff that you can you know to build yeah. to. Uh, next up, we had the match that we talked about earlier on with Roberts and Terry Taylor. So I'm not going to go over it in any great detail, but for those hearing about it for the first time, Roberts hit the DDT and looked to have the match won, but tried to pin Taylor on Taylor's wrong side and Taylor had his foot under the bottom rope. Um, Taylor then went outside to recover. Jake brought him back in. He got distracted with the referee, basically. He went for his knee lift and Taylor moved and then Taylor got him 
with the inside cradle to, for the win to a lot of boos. I really enjoyed this match when I first watched it. What did you make of this, and particularly the crowd reactions here and how they reacted to Taylor, who was being presented as a babyface very much at this time? He was, right? The yeah. crowds, I mean, it was a great ending segment, and the crowd were going wild. First of all, um, well, yeah, for, for the, the closing of the match, and then you just hear the boos rain down afterwards. Yeah. Um, but you can definitely tell the, the crowd is into it, and um, it really was again. I don't know if it was a not so much of a botch, but Tommy Gilbert, the ref, like he counts two before he then points to the rope, the, the foot under the rope. And you'd normally think, well, hang on a minute, if because Jake rolls him there already, like he's not kicking out or moving a limb or anything, no. he's he's gone, he's done, he's just been hit by the DDT. So the fact that then the ref counts and then points to the ring was a slight. Slightly took me out of it because I don't know what was happening. But then that closing segment was, yeah, it was good. It was good. I wonder whether um, he did that for dramatic effect with the count. I think perhaps maybe to to kind of just add add to the drama of um, yeah. what is Roberts going to win kind of thing. But I, I do agree. If he obviously spotted it straight away. Um, this was genuinely one of the, my favourite shows I've reviewed. And the adverts just added, added so much to this to what I thought was a pretty strong show anyway. Um, Ross and Joel signed us off, promising more on the North American title situation and the upcoming Crockett Cup. So that is yeah. it. What are your final thoughts on this March the 1st, 1986 episode of Mid-South Wrestling? This might be the one of the last ever episodes of Mid-South, actually. Uh, I think we've maybe got two more to go before the UWF announcement. So yeah, we're right yeah. at the end of this of this motion. The closing part, you know, when they throw it back to uh, back to the announce table, it still feels like there's stuff going on in the ring. Yeah. You know, you know how uh, it's anticlimactic, but in a good way. Like you're jealous that you're not in the crap. You're not one of the. You want to be there to see what happens, don't you? You want to yeah. be there to see yeah. it, and what a great way to sell it to your audience who yeah. aren't uh, who who aren't in the arena. Who hey, maybe we've just advertised. Uh, we're coming to your place, you know, grab a ticket because you can kind of see them looking over the shoulder. They've just thrown it back and the crowd is still going a bit. And you think to yourself, I'm missing the action here. Yeah. Get back into the ring, but the TV time's over. Yeah. Great way to finish uh, weekly episodes. Yeah. I thought this was great. Well, Callum, thank you so much for appearing on the show. We will definitely do this again in the future. Thank you, sir. Yeah, no, no, thank this you very much. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's been so it's been so good. It's been really, really good. So we're definitely gonna I'm gonna rope you in many, many times in the future. So you'll be sick of this by the time we've done a hundred episodes. <laughs> uh, I look forward to it. It's an education. Yeah, I see. We'll have we have to try and do something. I need to work out how can we can how can we can do some recording at the next event we go to. I've got a little uh little thing that's for some real cool on the road but i've only got two little microphones but we'll, we'll work it out um next week we're going to have a one week departure from mid-south to review the aew revolution pay-per-view but we'll be back with your regularly scheduled programming as of tuesday march 15th and that week will be a double episode week because we'll also have our very special wrestlemania 18 watch along with myself stuart roberts and mark dunderdale 20 years after we were in person at the Sky Dome for Hogan versus Rock. So look forward to that. We haven't recorded it yet, so I can't promise it's going to be really good, but hopefully it will be. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening and supporting the show, and we shall speak to you all again very, very soon. 
Hello everybody, I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express, and if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's Number One Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out, all the products. That's on redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from t-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. Thanks very much, Ricky. And that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash mid-south moments.